Welcome to the Ohio State University Winter Quarter Commencement, recorded Sunday, March 19, 2006, at St. John Arena. 1,441 graduates received their diplomas. This quarter's commencement speaker is Shirley A. Jackson, president of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the 375th commencement of The Ohio State University. I'm honored to preside today at this important ceremony as the university bestows its academic degrees upon today's graduates. And now we recognize you, our first graduates from The Ohio State University in 2006. When you first came to Ohio State for orientation, and then when you finally arrived on campus in the fall, especially those of you who are graduating today with an undergraduate degree, you heard a clear message, get involved. You heard it repeatedly, and you heard it when the entire freshman class assembled for opening convocation when you received your scarlet and gray tassel to hang in your room to look forward to today. And then you were treated to the activities fair, where you saw examples of the 800 or so activities waiting for your involvement. My brief message today will echo what you heard on the very first days you were here. Only now I'm going to put it into a new framework and I'm going to put a new name on Get Involved. My topic is social capital, a concept first posed in 1916. And let me deviate for a minute before I go on with this theme. In today's knowledge economy, we rely on many kinds of capital for success. Financial capital are the bank assets of an organization. And in today's knowledge economy, financial success is closely linked with intellectual capital and thus human capital, referring to your skills and knowledge, your education, and your job preparation. There's also physical capital or material assets, cultural capital, the common identity and shared understanding among individuals, and there's even bureaucratic capital, something you're probably glad to be free of. Throughout your years at Ohio State, you've been developing intellectual capital to enhance your human capital to underpin your own future and that of the organizations and the community that you will join. And you have, and your university has, benefited from the social capital you have also created. Let me then develop the theme of social capital for a moment and then close by offering a suggestion. The term social capital was coined by James Coleman, a professor at the University of Chicago, to describe the reciprocal relationships among individuals that provide mutual benefits for the good of the individual, the institution, the organization, and the community. Social capital is the framework for understanding and altering social issues in communities and groups via creative and productive relationships. Social capital has structural elements, the networks of people who join to spread their expertise and to transfer skills, and relational elements, trust, and norms and values. Trust is inherent in the social networks, and when it's lacking, society creates formal rules and regulations. 
Norms and values are the attitudes and common practices within a community. A high level of trust and cooperative spirit minimizes the transaction costs in society and the layers of unnecessary bureaucracy. The trust, the reciprocity, the information and cooperation associated with social networks changes an I mentality to a we mentality. Social capital, then, is a framework for understanding and improving social issues in a community. It's the glue that's created when people and organizations work together for mutually productive gains. Robert Putnam made this concept popular in his book, Bowling Alone, when he described the role of social capital in the collapse and the revival of American community. He cites trends and statistics about Americans today showing that civic involvement has declined. Memberships in organizations like PTA and Rotary is down. There's less commitment of people under the age of 60 to volunteer activities. Informal social activities, such as ones you hold in your own home, have declined, and two-thirds of the people surveyed believe that most people can't be trusted. The cohesiveness of society, or the social capital of society, has diminished. So why am I talking about it today? because social capital is directly correlated with your personal future as well as the future of the community you will enter. Being involved in organized groups has been shown to have a significant and positive impact on your health and on well-being by buffering stress, providing social support outside the family, and informal social control over negative health behaviors such as alcohol abuse. People who belong to social networks cope better with trauma, fight illness and adversity more effectively, and are more tolerant, less cynical, and more empathetic to the misfortunes of others. Social isolation is as great a risk factor in the health of an individual as is smoking. Social capital also underlies community well-being and development in terms of educational opportunity, economic growth, and more effective and less corrupt government. Streets are safer and crime statistics are lower. Several years ago, you were new to this community, but you became an insider very quickly by developing social capital in both your extracurricular and your academic activities. It helped you study, learn, share time, information, and skills, collaborate on projects. You used your networks to gain access to motivate your peers to vote, to contribute to the relief of victims of the tsunami, of hurricanes, and of hunger, to mentor and to tutor others. You helped change and advance your university through your social networks. And many of you now, once again, will be new to communities where you'll be working and you'll need to establish social capital all over again. You know how to do it. You have done it. And you have an advantage over so many others in that, as a Buckeye, you know the importance of social capital, you've learned how to exploit its benefits for your own development, and to help others. The Buckeye Nation is social capital. You are linked to people worldwide who recognize the values inherent in an Ohio State education, a university whose motto is education for citizenship, and whose students live this motto from the time they arrive on campus. My message is simple. First, Continue to maintain your social capital with Ohio State. It is a reliable network that will help you throughout your lives. And secondly, use your Ohio State experience to help change the statistics Robert Putnam cites about our society. It is your Buckeye and your land-grant culture to do this. 
It is the Ohio State way to do something great with your human capital and social capital for the future good of the world. I know that all of you will do this. My most sincere congratulations to all of you who graduate today with your doctoral, your master's, and your undergraduate degrees. Thank you for being such an important part of The Ohio State University. Thank you very much. At each commencement, we ask a person of distinction to make remarks to our graduating class. This quarter, we are honored to have a theoretical physicist who has held senior leadership positions in government, industry, and higher education speak to our graduates and guests. Shirley Ann Jackson, president of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, the nation's oldest technological research university, since 1999 has had an extraordinary career characterized by a number of firsts. Dr. Jackson is the first African-American woman to receive a doctorate from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in any subject, and one of the first two African-American women in the country to earn a doctorate in physics. She's the first woman and the first African-American to serve as chair of the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission. She's the first African-American woman to lead a national research university and also the first to be elected to the prestigious National Academy of Engineering. In 2002, Dr. Jackson was named one of the top 50 women in science by Discover Magazine, recognized in a book titled 50 of the Most Inspiring African-Americans and named one of the 50 R&D stars to watch. She was inducted into the Women in Technology International Hall of Fame in 2000, into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 1998 for her contributions as a distinguished scientist and as an advocate for education, science, and public policy. Over the past five years, Dr. Jackson has worked to bring the na national attention to what she has termed the quiet crisis in America, the threat to the United States' capacity to innovate, due to the looming shortage of the nation's science and technology workforce. Dr. Jackson holds bachelor's degrees in physics and a PhD in theoretical elementary particle physics, both from MIT. Earlier in her career, she worked as a researcher in theoretical physics at AT&T Bell Laboratories and served as professor of physics at Rutgers University. She's the immediate past president of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the world's largest general scientific society, and currently chairs the AAAS Board of Directors. She's a member of the National Academy of Engineering, a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, and the American Physical Society, and has advisory roles and involvement in other prestigious natural, national organizations. Dr. Jackson also serves as a trustee of the Brookings Institution, is a life member of the MIT Corporation, which is the institution's governing board of trustees, and serves on the boards of Georgetown University and Rockefeller University. She's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and serves on the executive committee of the Council on Competitiveness. She also serves on the board of directors of the New York Stock Exchange, the board of regents of the Smithsonian Institution, and as a director of several major corporations. It is my great personal pleasure, and indeed it is an honor, to introduce Ohio State's winter commencement speaker, Dr. Shirley Ann Jackson. Thank you. Good afternoon, graduates. 
and my congratulations to every one of you. And what a wonderful afternoon it is, an afternoon full of promise and potential, of anticipation and excitement. I know that what you're feeling is infectious. And how many weeks is it now since the Buckeyes and the Lady Buckeyes clinched the Big Ten? Your energy is evident. Cherish this moment and remember it always. Now, I cannot help but admit to just an iota of envy. Envy not only for your palpable sense of optimism and your pride in what you have accomplished, but also for the universe of possibilities which lies ahead of you. You clearly are restless to get out and to make a difference to exchange cap and gown for the attire, formal or informal, of the working world or the graduate program. I understand how you feel. Your class will play leading roles in understanding and managing some of the most consequential challenges humankind has ever faced. Your generation and all those who follow will be enriched immeasurably by the progress which you and your contemporaries surely will make in confronting civilization's myriad challenges, such as understanding complex global climate trends, preserving biological diversity, promoting social justice, ensuring energy security, extending the frontiers of space exploration, and discovering new art forms which delight and inspire and which bring together people of all stripes. Mid-19th century novelist Nathaniel Hawthorne once said this of progress. I quote, the world owes all its onward impulses to men ill at ease. In effect, Hawthorne was speaking about choice, about choices made and choices not made. His men ill at ease, and by the way, had Hawthorne lived a little longer to hear of the first woman graduating from Ohio State just nine years after the college's founding in 1870, perhaps he would have included ill at ease women in his assessment. But Hawthorne's ill at ease individuals are identifiable by a clear characteristic. They recognize that their heritage their legacy of family education, of socioeconomic background, of ethnicity, of gender, is theirs by chance, but that eventual success is theirs by choice. Now, when I was an undergraduate and still deciding on a major at MIT, a professor offered me this bit of advice. He said, colored girls should learn a trade. Colored girls should learn a trade. Now, of course, I was taken aback and hurt, but I thought about my chances and my choices. Chance had made me colored. Chance had made me a girl. I readily embraced both. But as for the choice of trade, I chose physics. And I, thank you. Thank you. 
And I have been trading very well in that domain and in the domain springing from it for these many years now. Chance is a two-faced chameleon. She, he always appears as both opportunity and obstacle. The anatomy of choice, on the other hand, is the ability to determine your fate by the selections you make. So when I was faced with the options to give in to ignorance or to go on to excellence, I chose the latter. I chose to persevere. From the moment we learn to navigate the chances we inherit or encounter, our lives become the product of our choices. It is up to each of us to make the distinction. Put another way, world changers are people who take the hands they are dealt and who consistently, persistently choose to act to better their odds. They understand very well that the selections they make determine the outcomes they will achieve. Now, I believe I'm speaking to a powerful gathering of world changers right now. In fact, I know it. I know it because as a scientist, I am familiar with the principles of probability and the value of data. The data tell me that every graduating class from Ohio State has contained an uncommon proportion of world-changing individuals. And the laws of probability assure me that your class will be every bit as influential as your predecessor classes. Look at the impact which Ohio State graduates already have had on the world around them. There is Dr. Michael Mays, now heading up the American Medical Association. There is Barbara Ferris, who founded the wonderful International Women's Democracy Center in our nation's capital. There are astronauts, Lieutenant Colonel Nancy Curry and Dr. Richard Linehan, a veterinarian who took part in a 2002 shuttle mission to install new cameras on the Hubble telescope. You have His Excellency, Dr. Amadou Lamine Ba, the biology doctorate, who is Senegal's ambassador to the United States. And there is Tris Wedge, the creative zest behind the successful animated movie, Ice Age. These are just a few of the giants on whose shoulders you now stand. And there are many others. Do not forget the impact of those at Ohio State from whom you have learned to question and to probe, to monitor and to record. Perhaps you were taught geological sciences by Dr. Lonnie Thompson, one of the world's authorities on the melting of glaciers and ice caps as a warning of rising global temperatures. Six years ago, it was Dr. Thompson who dramatically shifted the global warming debate by predicting that the snows of Kilimanjaro likely will have melted by 2015. Now, he took a risk by making such a bold statement, but he got the world's attention. Thompson, Linehan, Curry, Bob, world changers all, and so very clearly shapers of their own successes. They and so many others from the Ohio State diaspora have built for you 
a sturdy platform from which to launch your lives, your careers, your contributions. However, it is crucial to have the skills and the outlook to take full advantage of today's tools and expectations. You are coming of age in a complex, volatile world, which is yet more tightly interconnected than ever. When I graduated from MIT, I joined a pre-internet world to which narrow, specialized skills were well-suited and in which vertical career tracks were typical. This is hardly the case today. Scan the job descriptions for high-potential employees in industry, in the sciences, in politics, sports, and civic service, and you will see just how much value is now placed on skills and capabilities which span disciplinary, organizational, even functional boundaries. And this is as true in Beijing as it is in Berlin or in Boston or here in the Buckeye State. Boundary spanning means being well-rounded, a clumsy word perhaps to describe the aggregation of competencies and openness which matter so much more today. Being well-rounded then means embracing an education which nourishes the right and left halves of the brain. It means being willing and eager to learn from diverse cultures and backgrounds from many different people with many different viewpoints and different languages. And increasingly, it calls for an ability to communicate well and to cooperate consistently and wholeheartedly with a real give and take and with a fierce curiosity. Scientist or artist, executive or sole proprietor, your contributions will be magnified many times if you can listen and present, if you can recognize and harness the skills of others. You already have tasted of these things here. Take that taste away with you to position you to do yet more. Progress happens. It happens in fits and starts. And it happens fastest when men and women are most ill at ease. Early 20th century author Albert Hubbard put a more topical twist on the idea of progress when he said that, and I quote, the world is moving so fast these days that the man who says it can't be done is generally interrupted by somebody doing it. Each generation raises the platform higher on the shoulders of the last. Your job, no, your obligation is twofold. To raise that platform higher for those who come behind you, and at the same time, to reach back and encourage those who come after you to climb onto that high platform. So look around today at your classmates, your fellow graduates, to see who will be creating the future, who will raise the platform, all of you. So I leave you with these final thoughts. Be aware of your potential always. Live up to your potential. Use it to surmount the uncertainties, the setbacks, which you assuredly will encounter. 
and continually expand your potential. You know, as I do, that your learning did not stop with your last class exam. You know, as I do, that you have so much more to do. Given that, why not leap for the stars? You may never catch one, but you will go far. Remember, heritage is by chance. Success is by choice. Congratulations and Godspeed. We have a remarkable group of students graduating today. At each commencement, we recognize the undergraduate students with the highest grade point average. I'm pleased to announce that in today's graduating class, there are two students who completed their bachelor's degrees with a 4.0 average. Would Yunnan Allen of Huron, Bachelor of Science in Architecture, please rise. Thank you. And would Kristen Lohr of Springfield, Bachelor of Science in Human Ecology, please rise. Congratulations to both of you. Within the class are many other students who have maintained outstanding academic records while working toward their bachelor's degrees. They will receive diplomas designated summa cum laude, magna cum laude, cum laude, with distinction and with honors. Summa cum laude designates an attainment of a 3.9 grade point average or higher. Would all students graduating summa cum laude please stand and remain standing? Magna cum laude designates those who attained a 3.7 grade point average or higher. Would those graduating magna cum laude please rise and join the others and remain. Thank you. Cum laude designates students who attained a 3.5 grade point average or higher and will those graduating cum laude please stand. with distinction and with honors, recognizes rigorous work completed in special honors programs in the colleges. Will students graduating with distinction and honors please rise and join them? All of these outstanding undergraduate students graduating with high curricular achievement are wearing an honors emblem, a scarlet and gray tasseled braid over their gown. Their honors are listed behind their names in the commencement program. Join me now in congratulating all of them once again, and thank you. Thank you, and please be seated. I would also like to mention that several members of today's graduating class were cadets and midshipmen in the Reserve Officer Training Corps while its students at Ohio State. They're being commissioned as officers in our armed forces at special ceremonies during this weekend. Their names are listed in the commencement program, but would the newly commissioned officers now please rise so that we may also recognize you as well. <laughs> 